You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 40, Switched on Parenting with Dr. Christy Goodwin. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. You're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected. This is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hey, Mama. I hope you had a relaxing and stress-free Mother's Day. I'm actually recording this before Mother's Day, so I can't tell you about mine, but I can assure you it's going to be relaxing and stress-free. And it's probably going to involve some Indian cuisine, too. (laughs) I love Indian food, and it's a special treat for me. Not too spicy, though. All right. I'm thrilled to introduce you to my guest today. She is one of Australia's leading digital wellness experts. She's the author of Raising Your Child in a Digital World, a speaker, a researcher, and media commentator, and the mother of three young boys. Dr. Christy Goodwin provides parents, educators, and health professionals with research-based information about what today's kids really need to thrive online and off. She takes the guesswork and guilt out of raising kids in the digital age by arming parents and educators with facts, not fears, about how screens are impacting on children's health, well-being, and development. She empowers parents and professionals to find the positive potential technology offers kids while also mitigating some of the potential pitfalls. Dr. Goodwin has generously offered my listeners one free month of membership to her online program, Switched On Parents Portal, which provides simple research-based solutions for parents and caregivers dealing with digital overwhelm. With your membership, you gain access to a comprehensive library of all of her top resources, videos, webinar replays, audios, PDF cheat sheets, and more. You can find the link and the promo code in today's show notes at lessdramamoremama.com forward slash 040. And before we get to the interview, I want to give you a quick update on my screen-free week that my kids and I participated in a couple of weeks ago. I'll remind you that my kids are 13 and 9, and we all agreed that we were so much more productive during this screen-free week. Now, we didn't eliminate screens entirely. We still used our computers for work and school, but they didn't watch any TV or YouTube videos, and I didn't engage on Instagram or Words with Friends. And I have to tell you that just taking those few things away really made a difference. And truth be told, we didn't really miss them. We found other more creative and productive ways to spend our time. So I really encourage you to try this for yourself and let me know how it goes. Okay, so without further ado, please enjoy my interview with digital wellness expert and fellow mama, Dr. Christy Goodwin. Dr. Christy Goodwin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Pleasure to be here. And I don't know if you... If you remember how we know each other. Yeah, through a B-school uh, mummy blogging group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we sort of started our businesses around the same time in 2012, 2013. 
And yeah, we were part of this mommy blogging group and we would, every week we would read each other's blog posts and make comments on them and stuff. So that's kind of how we got to know each other. And then we, um, we were both part of Nikki Elledge Brown's uh, course about copy. So special shout out to her. Yeah. So it's been really, it's been really cool watching you and your business take off and seeing how, just how important your work is in the world and especially to moms. And so I was so excited that you agreed to be on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this field? Sure. So I really wish I had a sophisticated um, career trajectory mapped out, but I don't. I, If truth be told, I actually fell into this um, kind of work by a series of serendipitous kind of happenings. Uh, so I had initially, um, I'd been a primary school and an early childhood teacher for 13 years, and then I became an academic. And my research was looking at the impact of technology, particularly on young children and on their health and development and their learning. And then I experienced what I call life's greatest equaliser and I became a parent for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) This is not how I date my son's chronological age, but it's important for this story. My eldest son um, was born six months after the first iPad came out. And so I had been to our six-month developmental check with the paediatrician and had got the all clear, but I was the A-type first-time mum and I worried that the paediatrician may have missed something. So I took my son back to our local healthcare clinic nurse to repeat the six-month developmental check. Now, my poor second son, I completely forgot his six-month check, but I did it twice with the first one. So I sat down with the clinic nurse and she turned and asked me all the regular six-month developmental checks, questions, you know, was he having tummy time? Was he, had he started solids? And then this clinic nurse turned and asked me what screen time he was having. And I explained that, you know, he wasn't having anything. He was six months of age. And she turned and she did the wave to finger at me and she did the sound. And she proceeded to tell me that my son would fall behind if he wasn't tapping, swiping and pinching on a device at the ripe old age of six months. Wow. Now, as a researcher. I was absolutely flabbergasted. Um, Yeah. I actually thought it was one of those candid camera moments. I thought someone had set up a camera. And And so wait, what what year was this? This was in um, the beginning of 2011. So I had my first son in 2010. Okay. And so our first iPad came out in April 2010. So um, I had this clinic appointment and um, I, I... I foolishly made the appointment for nine o'clock in the morning and any new mum knows that that's not the best time to make an appointment with a newborn baby. So I hadn't been caffeinated mm-hmm. and I was so flabbergasted by what this healthcare nurse was asking me. I knew it was actually factually incorrect to suggest that, you know, young children should be using um, screens. Um, but here she was telling me that he would fall behind if he wasn't using them. And so being the researcher in this field, it dawned on me that all of this great research was being done, but here I was having a health professional or an allied health professional giving out factually incorrect information. I also knew having been a parent what conflicting advice we were getting about screens. You know, some people were saying introduce them, other people were saying, you know, they're toxic and taboo, avoid them. Um, So I used my experience having been a researcher and also as a, a teacher and a mum. And so what I I did was decided to take the the research and science. So I act as a conduit between what the research and science tells us. I'm a self-confessed nerd. So I'm the first to admit that I love diving into the research, but I'm passionate about it, that being translated into practical and realistic advice. So I speak to parents, to teachers, to healthcare professionals, and also to adults now about the impact of technology on our wellbeing and also how it impacts us um, 
in terms of our performance, either in terms of learning or our productivity. So it was sort of a series of, of incidents that led to that, that moment in time. Wow, that's so fascinating that she would have said that to you. So there's so much information out there. Everybody has, I feel like, or maybe it's just me because I'm in the field that I'm in and I work at a school, but I feel like there's a lot of information about technology and the harmful effects that it has on brain development and things like that. When I talk to moms and I coach them, there's a lot of guilt associated with letting their kids be on screens. And I don't want to necessarily go down the road of saying all the things that are bad about it, because I think screens are not inherently good or bad, right? And technology, it's like, it can be a tool that we use for wonderful things, but it also can be something that we can use inappropriately or um, that can that can have harmful effects. And so I guess when you go into these schools or you work with moms, like what's your main message to them? What do you most want them to take away when they come to hear you speak or they want advice from you? Yes. So a couple of things I wanted to touch on before I answer that question. You touched on them beautifully in your question. One, I call it techno guilt, this sense Mm -hmm. of guilt and shame that our kids are using technology. And the reality is whether we love it or loathe it, our kids are going to inherit a digital future. So I often say, you know, digital amputation isn't the solution. Banning devices, suggesting that they're toxic isn't realistic and it's a not not a long-term viable solution. The reality is that our kids need to form healthy relationships with technology because they need to use it as part of their future. The other thing I um, wanted to say is you, you alluded to the fact that there's so much information and there is, you know, we're, we've got this situation that's referred to as infobesity. There is just so much information available to us. So often parents go off to try and seek, you know, information, particularly as it pertains to kids and screens, and they end up becoming more confused, concerned and conflicted. Um, my core message to parents, regardless of whether I'm speaking to parents of preschoolers or to parents of, of teenagers, um, is that you need to be the pilot of the digital plane. You cannot be the passenger. Um, you know, I, I look at neuroscience and we know that the part of the brain that helps kids make logical decisions, the, the frontal lobe of the brain, isn't developed even if you have an adolescent. Um, but parents do have a prefrontal cortex. So we are well equipped to help our kids to navigate the digital terrain. So parents need to be the pilot and not the passenger. And if you're the pilot of the plane, you need to do three, make make sure your kids get the three Bs. And the three Bs are boundaries, boundaries around not only how much screen time your kids have, but also what they're doing with screens, having boundaries around what times of the day, so when they're using screens, um, having boundaries around where they use screens and also boundaries around how and with who they use screens. Um, You also need the second B is to make sure kids' basic needs are being met. And one of the big risks we're seeing with kids' physical and mental wellbeing is that screen time is displacing their basic needs, their their essential needs like sleep and physical movement and play and social interaction. And the third B, which I know often seems counterintuitive to lots of parents, is that kids and teenagers, in fact, I even suggest adults need this, is boredom. Um, Mm. You know, our brain was never designed to be switched on processing information all of the time. I'm working with some big corporate clients at the moment and I'm telling them the same thing, that their brains need boredom. We need opportunities for white space. Um, So, if we make sure those three Bs are met, that there are boundaries, that their basic needs are being met and that the kids still have boredom, then we don't need to worry about screen time being potentially harmful to their development. 
one of the reasons we're struggling as parents as well is that we are the first generation of parents who are navigating this digital terrain. For most of us, the only digital dilemma that our parents faced was what television program we could watch. And there was usually only one channel. It was on at set times of the day, but screens have now become omnipresent. And so we are the first generation of parents who are navigating this digital terrain, often on the fly. You know, we can't even ask friends with slightly older children how they dealt with the digital dilemmas that we're facing because the landscape keeps changing, you know, really quickly. Mm. Um, And that's, you know, a related issue is that our kids, you know, even our young kids tend to know more about the technology than what we do. So there's a really different power dynamic in terms of parenting. Um, but if parents are the pilot of the plane and implement those three Bs, they, they can really help their kids to develop those healthy habits. So I want to just touch on the number two and three Bs. Um, the basic needs, first of all, I was looking on your website and I love that you talk about screen time versus green time, you know, just balancing being outside and playing and and being in nature and things like that with being inside with your eyes glued to a screen. I think that's so important. And I guess the the piece about the boredom, like I, on my podcast, I also talk a lot about the brain and about, you know, making decisions with your prefrontal cortex versus instant gratification because your primitive brain wants what it wants when it wants it. And um, I see a lot of kids and adults not wanting to feel boredom, not wanting to feel, but not just boredom, like any uncomfortable or negative, difficult kind of emotion, they want to buffer away from it with screens, you know, and not just screens, you know, there's the food and alcohol and things like that. But to avoid all kinds of negative emotions, boredom being probably the biggest, but also they want to look busy so they don't have to talk or socialize with that person in class or, or, you know, there's an awkward silence. And so they just take out their phone from their pocket so they don't have to feel uncomfortable in any way. And when you're talking about the, the parent being the pilot, what do you say to parents who are addicted to the screens themselves? Mm. Look, this is a really interesting um issue. And we've actually had a couple of studies that have started to explore this um, issue. They're calling it uh, technoference. Um, this idea that technology can literally interfere with the relationships that we form with our kids. Um, you know, as, as parents, we know we need to be the pilot and need to be good role models, particularly when it comes to technology. And it's interesting because after the parent seminars that I deliver in Australia and Asia, I often have parents coming up and saying, look, I think I've got a good handle on my kids' screen time. You know, I'm implementing some of your strategies. We've got boundaries, um, et cetera. Um, but what I'm really worried about is my own screen use. Why is it that I'm tethered to my technology? Yeah. And so I have have started to explore this and my next book that I'm working on is not kids screen use but adult screen use and starting to understand why it is that we have developed and I talk about a digital dependence I really shy away from this idea that we're addicted to technology um, the research is, is very ambiguous in terms of how we use that word and I think the word addicted is a very loaded word so I talk about our technology obsession or our digital infatuation or our digital dependence and when we understand that technology was intentionally designed 
design, when Google was being set up, when Facebook was being set up, they not only had the best programmers and software designers there, but they also had neuroscientists and psychologists working behind the scenes to make design these technologies to prey on our basic psychological vulnerabilities. So a couple of the reasons why parents find it so hard to um, put down the phone um, and to be that good role model is that when we use technology, our brain's getting hits of dopamine and other really positive neurotransmitters. So it's really hard to, to digitally disconnect. We also enter something called the state of insufficiency. When we're online, there's never a finite finishing point. We can always update, you know, pull down our social media feeds and, and we get updated social media posts. Our inboxes are never empty. So there's never that sense of being done or complete, mm-hmm. you know, with 24-hour, seven-day-a-week television streaming now. You know, even TV um, forces us to enter this state of insufficiency. Um, we also know technology has been, you know, clever design principles. It's no accident that your unread email icon is red um, because that triggers a sense of emergency and, and response. So just for parents to start to understand that technology, they're just a couple of ways, you know, there are a multitude of ways that technology has been designed to, to capture us and to appeal to us, and that's why we find it so hard to put down. Then it's a matter of us implementing some, some habits and boundaries ourselves um, to try and limit our screen use as well. Yeah, definitely. So you you mentioned you have kids, right? You have three boys. Is that right? I do. And so can you tell us a little bit about how you structure screen time in your own home? Yes. So as the pilot of the plane, my hu- pilots of the plane, my husband and I have come up with some boundaries around our kids' screen use. Now, our kids at the, the moment we're recording this are eight, five, and I've got a 14-week-old. Um, so the 14-week-old is not having any screen time, um, mm-hmm. but the eight and the five-year-old do. And I often say that to parents, you know, my kids do use screens. This is not about suggesting that they never use it. Um, digital abstinence isn't the solution. Um, and I will admit our screen rules have changed over time. We revisit them constantly because because, you know, our kids are changing, um, the way they respond to screens change. Uh, Our kids do not have their own device. So we have a family, um, two iPads that the family owns, um, Mm -hmm. and that's really important, I think, at a young age. We have decided in the last probably 18 months that our kids don't use screens um, Monday to Friday. Friday afternoon they do. Um, Friday afternoon and the weekend they have access. What I found and my husband also found was that if we allowed them to watch TV or to do something on the iPad before school or preschool, uh, they became very distracted. Get, you know, getting the morning routine nailed became really difficult and I started to look at the reasons why and, and you know, we know that um, often why we get what I call techno tantrums, why kids, you know, emotionally combust when we try and digitally disconnect them, is that often it's just their sensory and their nervous system has been hyper-aroused. So what they're trying to do when they switch off is discharge the cortisol that is built up in their body. Now, I know as a mum to boys, that was not the ideal start to the day. You know, I didn't want to then send them in this hyper-aroused, overexcited state to school where it would be a lot harder for them to pay attention. So we've made that decision. Now, that doesn't mean every family needs to adopt those, those rules. And we have limits on the weekend. So Friday afternoon, we tend to have a movie night together, but then Saturday and Sunday, they have access to the family iPads and we have installed filters so we can restrict what they can access. We also give them limits. So they have a, um, a period in the morning, usually 45 minutes to an hour, and then the same in the afternoon. And again, that will change over time. At this point in time, they're not interested in gaming. Um, so it is literally uh, watching YouTube and television um, and doing some educational games 
use as well, and that's the extent at this stage. But it, it evolves and it changes. One thing we've been very firm on is not having it too close to bedtime, so to prevent the, the impact on their sleep and mm-hmm. also having firm limits as to what activities, you know, really curating the content that they can use on these devices. And it's working well for now. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually have, you know, similar boundaries with my girls and they're a bit older. They're 13 and nine. They don't have their own phone and they're probably the last in their grade, you know, not to have their own phone. What would you say though to a parent who maybe didn't set things up from a young age like you and I did, but, you know, are now getting to the point where they're like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming and we're you know, there's the techno tantrums and we're, we're getting into arguments about it. How could they, if they feel like, oh, it's too late for me, you know, something like that, how would they implement something now? Yeah. And I'm going to say the good news is that it's never too late. And the neuroscience mm-hmm. tells its brains are very malleable and very plastic up until they're somewhere between 14 and 16 years of age. So there's plenty of time to course correct, even if you didn't set the habits up early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, don't go in cold turkey. Don't go in and make radical changes. It will be frustrating for you as a parent and it will have very little likelihood of success. What I suggest to most parents, depending on the age of the child, is to explain why you're making the changes. If you can give kids facts and science, they tend to be much more willing to adopt your ideas or at least consider your ideas. So giving them the reasons why, you know, explaining that the screen use might impact on their vision, it might impact on on their hearing or their capacity to pay attention or impact their sleep, giving them reasons why you're wanting to make these changes, then come up with strategies together rather than just imposing new rules and boundaries. Um, get your child to come up with strategies so that they've got some sort of buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, some really pragmatic strategies when you're having these conversations, two really important things, do it in neutral territory. So go um, for a walk, um, go to a local cafe, somewhere where you're in neutral territory because you're much more likely to have an amicable conversation the other pragmatic strategy here is not to do it at night when I talk to parents I can explain one of the reasons why we know so much cyberbullying in fact most cyberbullying occurs at night isn't just because kids have access to the technology at night the real reason we believe is what has happening in the brain and the frontal lobe of the brain that, that logical part of the brain switches off and a part of the brain called the amygdala which is the emotional center brain of the brain switches on. So this is why we seem to have more arguments with our spouses and our children uh, at night because our logical brain switches off and our emotional brain switches on. That's so, so, actually, uh, so fascinating. I love it, learning about that kind of thing. Yeah, it's us as adults. You know, most adults <laughs> literally yeah. have their arguments at night. And so I often say jokingly, but it works to people <laughs> in seminars, when your partner's picking a fight with you, just say to them, my prefrontal cortex is off, my amygdala is on, could we discuss this in <laughs> And they're usually so blown away with your sophisticated vocabulary that they ditch mm-hmm. the argument. Um, but the same thing, if we're wanting to tackle these tricky topics with our kids, not doing it at night, so choosing a neutral venue and having these conversations usually in the morning or in the middle part of the day is more likely to have success. But getting the kids buy-in, explaining why you wanted to make these changes and making the changes over time. What I also found from um, working with families works really well is crowding out the screen time with other activities. One of the reasons often our kids and why we as adults like using the technology is it because it gives us those positive neurotransmitters. You know, we get the hits of dopamine and serotonin. 
how can we crowd out that screen time but still give kids those pleasurable feelings? So physical, increasing physical activity, anything um, that kids enjoy doing can be a good substitute. So crowding out the screen time rather than just saying we're cutting out your screen time, go mm-hmm. and figure yeah, out. Yeah, replacing it with something else. Yeah. That's yeah. I love that. These are great tips for moms, very practical. I I often say, I often start my parents' seminar saying the basics work if you work the basics. And that really, you know, we we can make really complicated strategies. They won't work if we just stick to those basic principles over time um, and know that they will pay dividends. Your kids aren't going to like you in the beginning. (laughs) Yes. I think be transparent about that they're probably going to tell you I hate you and you suck and you're the worst mom in the world yeah um, but yes. I think often challenge parents you know if your kids aren't saying that to you maybe you're not doing a good enough job like our <laughs> job necessarily to be liked by our kids you know I'm often asked when it comes to social media parents often say you know I don't want to give them an account too early on but they tell me they're going to be socially ostracized and I say well the analogy I use if your eight-year-old son came home and said can I have the keys to the car I'd like to go and and do burnouts we wouldn't give our eight-year-old son the keys to the car you know our 11-year-old daughter comes home and says I'd like a glass of wine with dinner we wouldn't do that Um, and yet we prematurely hand these devices over I think we need to be confident and and give kids reasons for our boundaries and our, and the limits we're imposing. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. I'm going to use that too. Um, I also, you know, I think you touched on something that I talk about all the time with moms, which is, you know, being okay with your kid being upset. You know, they, they may be upset and that's okay. They, they don't have to like every decision we make. They're not going to. And so um, I, I think... Very vivid memories of my parents when I was growing up. I wasn't, you'll be able to figure out what era I grew up in, but I wasn't allowed to watch Melrose Place growing up. And I remember at school, all of my friends were talking about Melrose Place on mm. TV and I wasn't allowed to watch it. And I remember declaring that my parents were the worst parents in the world, that it was grossly unfair, that I would be socially ostracised. And I look back now and I'm, I'm very, very close with my parents. Um, in fact, they're with one of my children as we speak. <laughs> So, you know, I quickly got over that, um, despite what I declared at the time. So I yeah. do think we need to well, with being that that assuming that pilot role, um, it's just it's so critical, especially when we think of the risks and the dangers that our kids face in this digital um yeah, and I will say as a as a school counselor, I work with kids kindergarten through eighth grade, most of the social problems that are occurring, especially in middle school, but even I mean, I've seen it even as young as third grade. I wouldn't call it cyberbullying necessarily, but, you know, being unkind to each other in these chat rooms or online and being exposed to certain things that they shouldn't be seeing at that age or a lot of drama with the, with the girls in middle school, especially. Um, and so, you know, I do talk with my 13-year-old about it, and I think she appreciates, even though sometimes she does feel like a little bit left out. I think she does appreciate that she is not involved in a lot of that drama. And I don't remember where I heard this, but the opposite of FOMO is JOMO, the joy of missing out. (laughs) And, you know, really like appreciating the fact that you're not involved in all of that stuff going on and that you have a life outside of your phone and your screen. And I mean, when I think about all the things that she does where she's she's cooking and she's doing art and she's reading and, and interacting with people, it's like she's not missing out on anything. If anything, other people are missing out on 
their lives, you know, just being glued to the screen all day. Absolutely. So tell us, you, you mentioned you're coming out with a second book. So tell us a little bit about the first one and where people can find you, what kind of support you can give my listeners if they want to find out more about you in the future. Thank you. So my digital home is at um, Dr. Christie. So just the letters DR and then christygoodwin.com. And I'm sure you can pop a link um, to yes. that as well. Yes. So my aim, as I mentioned at the very beginning, is to translate research and science into digestible and practical information for parents, for educators, for health professionals, but also for adults. Um, in the last 18 months, I'm doing a lot more work in workplaces um, and talking to adults about our technology. So the first book uh, that I published was called Raising Your Child in a Digital World, um, and it is available um, through my website, and there are limited copies. My publisher has closed down at the end of last year, um, so there are still limited copies available, I understand, on Amazon and other online bookstores as well. Um, if you have trouble, contact me and we can find a way to provide that. It's also available in the iTunes store. Okay. Uh, a couple of months ago, I also um, created and launched, it's been 18 months in gestation, but I launched something called the Switched On Parents Portal. So um, I understood as someone going around speaking to parents um, throughout Australia and Asia uh, that often the seminars were, were, were great, but the issue I had was that the the, the digital dilemmas that parents are facing are constantly evolving. And I wanted to provide ongoing advice and guidance for parents. Um, I also wanted to provide guidance for parents who were not in Australia or who lived in really remote parts of Australia as well. So the Switched On Parents portal is an online library full of video seminars, full of monthly masterclasses on current topics that parents are facing. So it's designed for parents of four to 16 year olds. So it's practical, realistic information um, without the guilt, the grief, and the guesswork trying to navigate the digital terrain. So I can send you a link. Um, yeah, that, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so just providing parents with, ironically, online information. <laughs> um, they can best navigate this space with their children and their teenagers um, in realistic, practical, but yet research-based um, ways. Because as you said at the very beginning, we can go on a Google search and end up coming out of that Google search even more confused and concerned and given conflicting advice. So I wanted this to be a one-stop digital place or library um, where parents could get realistic but research-based advice. Wonderful. And I know you do um, you do webinars occasionally and you're on Facebook Lives and stuff like that. So you're you're constantly giving people a lot of value and and free information as well. Absolutely. Yes. We have um, a monthly blog topic that comes out um, as well. So there's ongoing content that will be available in, in that platform, on that platform as well. Great. All right. Is there anything else you want um, you want moms to know? about their own digital use, their kids' digital use, anything that will allow them to have less drama when it comes to this topic? <laughs> I wish I'm often asked, is there an app that prevents the techno tantrum or what can I do? Yeah, right. And there's not. Um, I think the best thing we can do is be really good and I will be completely transparent. The best thing but also the hardest thing for us to do is to be really good role models. Um, so I think trying to come up with healthy habits ourselves, having firm boundaries around our screen use, 
we want our kids to be what I call masters of the media and not a slave to the screen. Um, we want to teach them how to tame their technology habits. And I think that will only happen when we can do that and demonstrate that ourselves as adults. And again, we're the first generation of people who are living and literally um, we're attached. There's research that's come out that says that the average adult is never more than one metre proximity away from their phone now um, so yeah. <laughs> in a 24 period. So, you know, we are trying to figure this out on the go um, as adults. So I think we need to be just really cognisant of what we're modelling and trying to tame our technology habits um, that's why I'm writing the next book to help <laughs> give some experience. Hurry up. We need it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. I think that's great advice. And, um, and I know you, you said there's no app for taming the tantrums, but I know that you and I both really love commonsensemedia.org or if they have an app. And um, I use that all the time for looking up movies and books and, you know, TV shows, anything to see what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. But I know they also have fantastic articles on there for like demystifying different games like Fortnite or apps, you know, like TikTok and all these things that are just like, there's so many all the time. So I just want to mention that is a great resource for people. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And if you are tearing your hair out about techno tantrums, I've written two really comprehensive blog posts with strategies to prevent them. Um, and again, I can send you a link, Pam, if that helps. Wonderful. Um, and I've also a masterclass, created a, a masterclass on that very topic about how to tame techno tantrums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll put everything in the show notes for people to read. And thank you so much again for taking time out of your busy schedule and with your three kids. <laughs> um, it's so good to speak with you and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast. If you like this episode, please take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes and make sure you subscribe too so you never miss a show. Got a question, comment, or idea for an upcoming episode? Email me at pam at lessdramamoremama.com.